This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. It's your host, Tim Link, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. I uh, want to welcome back to our show one of our all-time favorites, one of the best writers out there. We've got Spencer Quinn coming on. And Spencer's going to talk to us a little bit about his latest, greatest book, which is called Tender is the Bite, which, of course, is part of the uh, Chet and Bernie Mystery Series. Uh, so we're going to have a fun time talking to Spencer a little bit about uh, what Chet and Bernie are up to and uh, talk to him a little bit about his writing and writing styles while we're at it. So it's going to be a great episode. Everybody hang tight. We'll come back right after this commercial break. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Molly, here's your dinner. <laughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Joining us now is uh, New York Times and USA Today bestselling author. Uh, he's also the uh, number one New York Times bestselling author of the Bowser and Birdie series for our uh, middle grade readers. Uh, but we know him and love him best for the Chet and Bernie mystery series. Uh, we've got Spencer Quinn. Spencer, welcome back on the show. Thanks very much for having me. Really good to be back with you guys. Yeah, it's great. And congratulations on the latest. It's called Tinder is the Bite. So tell us a little bit about this particular book, how it ties in with the series, and um, maybe without giving away everything, uh, what makes uh, what's the latest grace going on with the, our dynamic duo here? Well, first I should say this is the 11th book in the series, but and I'm always asked, should they be read in some sort of order? That's a question that Chet, the narrator of the series, would never ask. Chet's a dog. He's not a talking dog at all. He's a narrating dog, as canine as I could make him. So the short answer is this series can be read in any order. You could start with Tender is the Bite, and everything would make sense insofar as the series makes sense at all. It's funny because these are not cozies. There's darkness in them. The thing is that Chet, the narrator, bounces back from dark things very quickly. His reset position is one of joy in life. And, and I think that's one of the things that readers like. But I've been able to somehow tackle some serious issues in the series that, that are sort of just really snuck in so that if you think of a boat like with, you know, with a deep keel, but it's going very fast on the surface, it's fast and frothy on the surface, but there's a deep keel underneath. I really think that's what these these books are about. So as an example, you know, in T Tender is the Bite is really in many ways about politics, American politics, although you don't have to care about American politics at all, I, I, I don't think to enjoy it. But I was, what I started with, I just started with it in my mind, I had this image of Chet and Bernie live on this street, Mesquite Road, and, and the neighbors on either side have played a role throughout the series. 
And I had just this vision of these two old guys who are their neighbors on either side, hammering in lawn signs, you know, into their lawn, but they're different colored lawn sides, meaning one is on one side and one is on the other, and they're glaring at each other. And I thought, I'm going to use that to, you know, build a story because there's so many in the acrimony that goes on. I think there are so many of us who are kind of caught in the middle and used by forces that actually don't care very much about us. That was really the thematic stuff I had going. But the story is one of blackmail and kidnapping and murder. And one of the things I was interested in too in politics, it's not a meme, but it's it's something that seems to happen over and over where young and very attractive women from maybe not sophisticated backgrounds get swept up with powerful men who do not have their best interests at heart. And so this book begins with this beautiful young woman from a small town. We don't know anything about her at this point, Mavis Verlander. And she makes a sort of tentative contact with Chet and Bernie. Bernie is the detective about their services. And then she's just too nervous to continue and runs off. And Bernie can't get that out of his mind. And he begins pulling at this thread of this woman in this very brief encounter. And so that's how we start the story. So you got all the twists and turns. And I I think when you said uh, it gets pretty dark and then you mentioned politics in the same breath, I think (laughs) it's like you need not say anything more based on what we see in American politics today. So just a side note, no commentary there, but obviously it's it's, uh, fresh in everybody's mind. Yes. And I, you know, but I should say the I thought, you know, Chet has, in some of the books, Chet has relationship with other creatures, with other non-humans. For example, in To Fetch a Thief, earlier in the series, there's an elephant named Peanut that Chet is forced to be able to get along with. So in, in Tender is the Bite, there's a ferret who plays a very important role. The ferrets, I won't give the ferret's name because I should give a spoiler alert for that. But this ferret plays a very important role. And one of the things that drives a number of things drive Chet crazy about the ferret, but one is that the ferret adores Bernie. And so many times Chet sees the ferret looking at Bernie with this adoring look and, and can't bear it, but he's going to be forced to get along somehow with this ferret. I thought the ferret would be the perfect creature to put in a story about politics. <laughs> I think you're right. I, at first, when I saw that, I thought I, I've got to ask him, you know, because you do mix in these uh, animal characters the, the, that play crucial roles in, in the uh, storyline. And then as soon as I was getting ready to, to uh, think that, you know, then I thought, ah, I don't know if I should say that or not, but ferrets and politics. Yeah. That, <laughs> yes. that seems to, uh, yeah. Maybe moles would be the next one. If you write another politically themed, uh, yes. That would be, yes, excellent for any kind of international intrigue. A mole would be perfect. Thank you. These suggestions are great. And by the way, I take reader suggestions. I get some, the titles, many of the titles have come from readers, including Tender is the Bite. And any reader who suggests a title that is actually used gets a signed free copy of the book when it comes out. There you go. And my gratitude. (laughs) So we'll we'll make sure at the end of the show, we'll uh, make sure everybody knows how, if they don't already know how to get a hold of you and and get in line for the next one. Uh, That's definitely a prize. Thank you. I appreciate that. You want to get. 
So it was interesting when you made the comment about we know Chet as the narrator, but he's not a you know the the typical talking dog like we see in some books. Nothing wrong with that, but it, it's it's I love your take on uh, how he goes about narrating it, and uh, he is so much different, so much more I, I find in in the books. Um, but also how you mentioned how he could quickly bounce back from the dark side of things, the, the negativity side of things. And I think that's true when we look at uh, real dogs, our, our own dogs, that they can uh, may get involved in something that's not necessarily the, the best thing at the moment, but then they quickly bounce back. Oh, I agree. And I, that's, you know, of course, I never could have, um, you know, written this series without having had dogs. And at the moment, we're down to just one Pearl and uh, she sits in the office behind me while I'm writing and I can, I can sort of feel her think like she's almost supervising and I can, I can feel her thinking, you know, come on, just one more paragraph before you knock off that, that kind of thing. But with all our dogs, I've, I've observed that, that, you know, if something not good happens very shortly after they're back to their normal selves. I, now I'm talking about dogs who are treated properly in general. Right. A dog that, that's mistreated over and over, that's a different situation. But in this case, they don't, they really don't ask for a whole lot. It's, it, from my point of view, it makes them so easy to love them. You know, they're modest in their expectations. And, and uh, but that's one of the things I love about them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I find it fascinating. You know, we've had uh, we've had a plethora. We've had a zoo of different types of animals. Uh, I haven't had a ferret. I will say that, but I did play uh, Santa Claus one year uh, for a rescue organization, and somebody you know where you bring your animals in to take pictures with Santa, and somebody brought two ferrets in, which were really great. They were climbing up in my beard. Everything was just wonderful. Got some great photos. Uh, but I don't know if you ever uh, smelt a ferret. Oh, yes. Yeah. And then you have to wear your Santa beard for the next two hours. With the, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I didn't do the Santa part. Okay. But I <laughs> No. And so, of course, that this is something, of course, the chat's going to remark upon, you know, right away or no. And also this fair anyway because the whereabouts of the ferret is very important to the story, Chet will know the whereabouts of this ferret at all times if the ferret's anywhere near in terms of his tracking ability. But this is a very, very easy scent to follow. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So let me ask you about Tinder is the bite, of course, and then uh, the series in general. Uh, you have this great way of going back and forth where we have, we really get to know the characters, Chet, Bernie, and, and you know, in this case, the ferret, but yet they still have, and then you have uh, the damsel in distress, we'll say, come into play. But then on the other hand, there's this mystery that has to be solved. So it's, how do you go about uh, keeping both flowing? Because what I find often when when writing is you want to focus on the core of it, which is the, the mystery and solving the mystery that sometimes the characters get lost. On the other hand, if you spend so much time building up the characters or reintroducing the characters or, or bringing in new ones, the plot line, the story gets lost. Well, first of all, that is a great question. And to answer properly, I have to go back to my mother, who taught me most of what I know about writing, probably by the time I was 12 years old. You may think I'm joking, but I'm really not. You know, if you if you divide writing up into two parts, one, the technical part, like just your sort of toolkit and to the imagination part. Well, the technical part I had at that age, at 12, I just how to compose a sentence, how to compose a paragraph, how to make things move along quickly. I had all that. And she also was excellent at working on 
my imagination just to, she said, I mean, her thing was push everything as far as you can, put your own spin on everything. Don't do anything when you're writing that's like somebody else. Make it all as original as you can. And one of her big beliefs was that you always have to be driving the story forward. If you, you know, all of a sudden you think, oh, I'm going to describe a sunset where a white bird flies through the different colors and they're all reflected on its wings. Well, if that scene does not advance the story, then it has to be out. So I actually, when I'm writing, I'm only concerned with the plot. And all those details that you were talking about, like character and mood and the relationships between the people, I fold that in. It's almost like truffles in a cream sauce. You, you don't, all the information you need to make sense of it, I'm kind of trying to give to you so you don't even notice. And one of the things that's very useful, uh, if that's something you're trying to do, is dialogue. Dialogue is an extremely powerful force, both for driving the story forward and at the same time, um, developing and illustrating character. So that's really, I mean, maybe that answer didn't make much sense, but that's how I go about it. I'm only interested in the plot and the, I give you just enough to know what the characters are like. That's great. That's great explanation. So uh, what you glean from that is uh, dr- drive the plot line forward, let the characters develop or, or uh, reintroduce themselves in, in this case with this series. And the second takeaway I got was mom always knows best. <laughs> she sure did in this case the only well among other sad things i mean she died before i became a writer she died very young so never knew that this had taken root she set the stage set the table for you to be able to get to uh, be the brilliant uh, writer and author that you are today so uh, well, kudos kudos to mom all right well, we're going to take a, a quick commercial break uh, then we'll come back talk to uh, our, our buddy spencer quinn a little bit more about his latest book tender is the bite talk a little bit more about writing styles as well and uh, characters. So it's uh, continue the fun conversation. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit, stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Uh, Continue our conversation with the uh, New York Times and USA Today bestselling 
author Spencer Quinn and his latest book, Tender is the Bite. Now, Spencer, you talked a little bit about how you come up with some of the titles and you let the fans uh, dictate that, submit what they should be, and you'll select uh, the best one, hopefully, and they get a signed copy of the book. How much do your fans keep your feet to the fire? Because you mentioned this, uh, you know, it's a long running <laughs> series and you've got the same two core characters in there. Uh, how often do you get emails back saying, hey, what happened to so-and-so or why didn't you let so-and-so do something? Okay, the fans are great about this because there's a whole, it's almost like a, a touring theatrical company. There are many, many characters you supporting in supporting roles in the Chet and Bernie series. And some appear in some of the books and not others. And some appear in every one. I mean, there's, for example, Charlie, who's Bernie's son, his, his six-year-old son, but now living with Lita, who's his former wife, who got married to Malcolm, who's this who's a, this, her second husband, but Bernie seems to, during the series, he's formed actually a, quite a good bond with him. That happened in of Mutts and Men. So, and then there's Nixon Pinero, the auto body guy who fixes up their broken cars after the cases. So some of these characters, some of the readers, you know, want to see more of them at times, but usually they're satisfied with the way I dole it out. Here's the mistake I can't make. And I, I made it once early in the series. I had Chet have one of those little, you know, kind of gross dogs get sometimes and they have to be biopsied. And I, you know, those little soft ones. And I, so I thought, well, what I'm going to do is I'll do a kind of shaggy dog thing where he's biopsied toward the end of one book, but the results won't come till the next book. So at the end of that book, the first book came out, the book with the, where the biopsy had happened, but no result. And I began to get emails in all caps. If anything happens to Chip, I will never read another word you write. That was one of them. Another one said, I will flood Amazon with one star reviews. <laughs> so, so I realized I'd made a huge mistake and I, but I, I was innocent because he's the, Chet's the narrator of an ongoing series. I mean, to kill him off would be, <laughs> you know, we like to eat in my family. <laughs> my job is to put food on the table. It wouldn't have made sense. But here's another aspect of it on a more serious level that I have no problem with writing a scene that I'm pretty sure will make the reader cry, but I don't want to induce easy tears. And the easiest tears you can induce are when a dog dies. And I'm just, I don't like to do things like that. I don't, I don't want to do it the easy way for something like that. So I can, I'm going to say right now, Chet, in terms of this series, is immortal. And that isn't going to happen. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's a, the old disclaimer, uh, no animals or children were hurt during this uh, writing of this novel. <laughs> yeah, he's been, now some, okay, Chet's been in some very trying and dangerous situations. And I have heard from readers who skip those parts. Yeah. And once you buy the book, you can do anything you want with it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> once you buy the book and you got the sales receipt, you're, you're, yeah, yeah, I like it. I like that one. That was a good one. <laughs> Oh, goodness. So when we talk about, you know, I'm going to go back to characters again and, you know, your fans are saying, well, what, you know, what's going on with so, you know, a certain character. Do you find yourself after this long and great series and which will continue on forever, as we know, but do you find yourself knowing these characters and, and loving them so much you can name 
all of them or most of them, or do you, or I sort of envision this giant storyboard that looks like, uh, you know, a police detectives uh, trying to solve a crime with all these different characters uh, plotted on the wall somewhere, which is closest to the truth. I would like to have the storyboard you just mentioned, <laughs> but I'm incapable of doing something like that. And I, I don't even know how to hire some kid, you know, high school kid to do it. No, what happens is, this goes back to your early question about plot and story. So if I'm writing and suddenly I need some a certain sort of character, I think back through the series and, and I think, oh, oh my gosh, I had a guy who owns a bar and who also served overseas with Bernie already. So I've built a little story with this guy. And then when I bring him back, I can give it a little spin or a little more depth or we reveal a little bit more. There was a dramatic moment overseas in Bernie's military career where he saved the lives of a number of people. We don't know any of the details, but every once in a while we get hints about it, especially when he runs into one of these old veterans and they always you know, hug him and clap him on the back and, and love him, basically. These are men who served under him. So I'll bring one of these people back and suddenly their backstory is changing and sometimes enough to bring them forward into major roles in one of the next books. So that's something that's very enjoyable when you have, I don't know, it's almost like Louis B. Mayer when, you know, he ran MGM and, and he had this huge stable of great actors. Oh, yeah. Okay, all of whom hated him. But, <laughs> you know, but since mine are all imaginary, I don't think they hate me. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Well, that's it. It's very interesting because it, it, so when you uh, let me uh, clarify that in my own mind. So you're you're writing, and you think, oh, I need something, you know, uh, an auto mechanic. Does it automatically hit you that hey, in this book, this guy was my auto mechanic, and that's who I'm going to come back to? Or do you have to like dig through your memory banks or the rolodex of of characters and say, did I once have a uh, auto mechanic in one of my books? Well, yeah, but yes, and but what I do is okay. My memory is pretty is pretty good, and I'll at least know the, the book it came from. And I, you know, I'll just leaf through and I'll see the scene or whatever it was, and then the whole thing will come back to me. You know what I had in mind, and sometimes I'm actually with some of these characters. I'm actually with one of these supporting characters. I'm actually setting up for things to happen later in the series. Gotcha. gotcha. You know, we're building little foundations that serve the purpose of the plot in let's say book three but now i'm going to make a different use of it in book five there you go that makes sense then well yeah because I, I sort of envision when i envision this whole thing out because you know i work with clients and they and their animals and i tend to know the animals names and remember the animals more than i do the clients i will <laughs> say that i'll leave it at that why i do that but <laughs> but i sort of uh you know being um you know all the superhero around dc and marvel and uh you know in the early days in my mind, you know, it was easy to keep up with the characters because it was pretty much Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, you know, that was it, you know. And then now it seems like they're pulling out characters that I, I actually have uh, two beautifully illustrated DK encyclopedias for both of those franchises that I can quickly turn to and say, well, who the heck is this guy or gal <laughs> they're trying to, to bring into to play? And sure enough, you know, you pay, turn to page 56 and there's the character. They pulled it out of their archives. Well, that's a great thing. And a kind of reader's companion to the Chet and Bernie series that would have that, I think, would be a cool thing. Yeah, absolutely. David suggests that to the powers that be. There you go. <laughs> and I'll only take 10% off the top. Don't worry about <laughs> it. <laughs> 
That's great. Well, when everybody picks up a copy of Tinder is the Bike, the latest in the um, Chet and Bernie series, what do you, after they read through it, what do you hope they glean from it? What do you hope is the, the big takeaway or, or uh, what do you hope the fans uh, get out of it? Well, I hope they end, you know, a lot of novels, that's the problem when you get to the end of it. You might have been through a whole lot of adventures, but there isn't much that stays with you. In the Chet and Bernie series, the beating heart is the relationship between Chet and Bernie. It's the love between Chet and Bernie. And I think at the end of the book, when they've been through an awful lot and they've actually done some good, it's still the togetherness of the two of them. And I I think that's what I want readers to think about. It's this beautiful relationship between a human being and a non-human being, a dog, that works both ways and they're equal partners, although they're very, very different. Very nice. I like that. I like that. Well, where can uh, people uh, pick up a copy of Tinder is the Bite and find out more about what's going on and where your appearances hopefully are nowadays? You can, okay, so there's peterabrahams.com. That's my real name, but it's, it says Peter Abrahams, a.k.a. Spencer Quinn. So everything will lead you there. There's a blog and also on Facebook, all the events are posted. Most of the events for this book, Tender's the Bite, are still virtual. The bookstores are not, they're doing really no author touring yet. I expect that to change in the fall when the next Chet and Bernie book, which is a Christmas book called It's a Wonderful Wolf. When It's a Wonderful Wolf comes out, I believe I will be on tour. But all this will be on ChetTheDog.com, for example, on the blog. You'll see all the appearances. There you go. There you go. So everybody uh, go out and pick up a copy of that. We'll make sure we have that posted so you can uh, keep track of what's going on with uh, Chet, Bernie, Spencer, and all that wonderful stuff, whether it's virtual or whether it is in person or, uh, and and as always on uh, Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. So there you can (laughs) always pick up that. So, hey, Spencer, congratulations once again. Thank you Uh, so much. Great, great book. Great talking to you. And I'll uh, look forward to chatting with you again uh, somewhere down the road. Wonderful. The pleasure is mine. Thanks so much for having me on. Welcome. All right. Well, we're uh, coming to the end of the show today. I want to thank everyone for listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. I want to thank the uh, producers and sponsors for making this show possible. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, ideas for the show, please uh, drop us a line. You can find us at PetLifeRadio.com. And while you're there, uh, check out all the other wonderful shows and hosts. It's a cornucopia of great entertainment. That's at PetLifeRadio.com. So until next time, write a great story about the animals in your life. Put it in a book, a blog, an article. Get it out there. And who knows? You may be the next guest on Animal Rights Pet Life Radio. Have a great day. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.